Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Thank you, thank you for um, your wonderful hospitality here, uh, Myrtle Beach Seacoast Vineyard. Been looking forward for a long time to come and visit uh, here, um, and uh, well, uh, let me just get into it, and then we I can kind of uh, get you can get to know me a little better as I talk, okay? But it is really good to be here. Uh, we bring much love from Brooklyn, you know. 2016 was a topsy-turvy year for my wife and I. We had three major um, life disruptors, if you want to label it. We had three major life disruptors that came together all at once, 2016, like a perfect storm. See? Um, a career change. Uh, I handed off my church after 38 years uh, of pastoring in New York City, handed off my church so that we could uh, move into another, uh, a new season of ministry for us, taking care of pastors and helping raise leaders in the vineyard. Um, not only that, Okay, we had a major move after 20-odd years living in this wonderful, nice, comfortable house of ours. We made room for our, uh, uh, my son and his wife and his children to move into the biggest space that we were occupying, just the two of us, you know. And we moved down into our get. We renovated our guest apartment, you know, down in the in the basement. So we have this time. We have a small Manhattan one-bedroom apartment in Brooklyn. That's how we look at it, but. <laughs> That was, you never, you know, downsizing. What a, you know, saying goodbye to your stuff. You accumulate a lot of stuff after 20 odd years, you know. So that was another, you, you wouldn't think it was traumatic, but it was, you know, getting used to uh, not having as much freedom as we once had. And then on top of all of that, you know, uh, unexpectedly, my wife, Shar, who's sitting right there, um, was diagnosed with colon cancer all at once, you see, um, which, by the way, just let me just get to the end of the story. She's recovered 100% after a year. Everything's good. Everything's good, you see. But in some strange, wonderful, only God way, you know, it was also a year of growth, discovery, and experiencing God in a deeper way than we had ever experienced in the 45 or so years that we've been following the Lord. See, Shar and I used to say that we had, mastered, we had earned master degrees in adversity, we were good at it, you know, but, uh, you know, after, you know, after this year, um, we, uh, we say, we now say we have our PhDs 
in adversity, you know. But rather than being crushed by trouble, um, we've emerged stronger, I believe, wiser, and more capable human beings. And that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about, you know, how trouble, uncertainty in life, hardship, you know, although they are part of life, right? Those, you know, that's just life, you see. It doesn't have to ruin our lives. We can live well under the most difficult circumstances. And as a matter of fact, it can bring the best out of you. Have you ever uh, experienced major disruption or upheaval in your life? A death of a loved one, Um, you know, illness, um, the loss of a job. It's like you've suddenly been exiled, you see. And now, you can experience exile even if you never move away geographically from where you're you're comfortable, okay? Um, There is the experience of inner exile, you see. Who am I now? that I'm going through this divorce? Who am I now, you know, that I lost my job that I had for the last 15, 20 years? Who am I now that my child is is going crazy? I don't know what my teenager is doing anymore. I don't feel like I have any control. Who am I now that I've been diagnosed with cancer? You see? We're no longer in control. All the ways you've been used to finding life, finding your sense of worth, your sense of connection and security, suddenly vanish. That's what exile is. You see, it's traumatic, it's disorienting. And it's frightening. In 1967, a diving accident left Joni Erickson a quadriplegic at the age of 17. In exile. She later wrote about this experience. I'm just going to quote from her. She says, I desperately wanted to kill myself. Why on earth should a person be forced to live out such a dreary existence? How I prayed for some accident or miracle to kill me. The mental and spiritual anguish was as unbearable as the physical torture. I was despondent, but I was also angry because of my helplessness. How I wished for the strength and the control enough in my fingers to do something, anything, to end my life. 
She cried out to God. If I can't die, show me how to live. That prayer changed her life. She learned how to live right in the middle of her exile. See, the essential meaning of exile is that you are forced to be where you don't want to be. You're no longer at home. You're a stranger in a strange and frightening, maybe physical place or maybe psychological place. But this very, you know, it's this very strangeness that can open up a whole new way of looking at life that brings growth and maturity and, believe it or not, freedom. Now, Israel experienced a violent and extreme form of exile. They had strayed from God, so he allowed the Babylonians to capture Jerusalem and deport all the residents, all the important residents. They left a few stragglers behind because they weren't unimportant. But they, most of the important people, the people that made this, this you know, Israel you know, work, they got deported. You can only imagine how these exiles felt being forced to spend an extended time with people they didn't like in a place they didn't want to be under conditions they didn't want to be in. They complained bitterly. They wallowed in self-pity. And their, their religious leaders were, uh, were useless. See? They just fueled the discontent with false hope. Oh, don't worry. God, God told us we'll be out of this, this jam real quick. Don't worry. You know, we'll be back home real soon. No sweat. See? But this didn't help at all. See, false dreams get in the way of real, honest, uh, productive living. And as long as the people thought they might be going home real soon, it, might, it made no sense to get on with real life where they were. See? Right there in Babylon. You know, why bother settling down? Why bother working and planting? See? But there was one true prophet in Israel. His name was Jeremiah. See? And God gave him a message for these exiles. This is the message from, I'm reading from the message, by the way. Okay, so you don't think I, I'm reading out of some crazy place, but this is the message. This is the message from God of the angel armies, Israel's God, 
to all the exiles I've taken from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and make yourselves at home. Just the opposite of what the religious leaders were telling them. Put in gardens and eat what grows in that country. Marry and have children. Encourage your children to marry and have children so that you'll thrive in that country and not waste away. Make yourselves at home there and work for the country's welfare. What? Pray for Babylon's well-being. If things go well for Babylon, things go well for you. Yes, believe it or not, this is the message from God of the angel armies, Israel's God. Don't let all those so-called preachers and know-it-alls who are all over the place there uh, take you in with their lies. Don't pay attention to the fantasies they keep coming up with to please you. They're a bunch of liars preaching lies and claiming I sent them. I never sent them. Believe me, God's decree. This is God's word on the subject. As soon as Babylon 70 years are up and not a day before, I'll show up and take care of you as I promised and bring you back home. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. When you call on me, when you come and pray to me, I will listen. When you come looking for me, you'll find me. In other words, don't listen to those phony preachers. Get on with your lives right there where you are in exile. This may not be your favorite place, but it's a place. Your life right now counts as much as it did when you were in Jerusalem. Babylon is not your choice. But it's what you've been given. Build a life there as best you can. Now, that was both a rebuke and a challenge. They would have quit sitting around feeling sorry for themselves. The whole point of being a person of faith is not to be, comfortable, uh, be as comfortable as possible, but to live as deeply and as thoroughly, you know, deeply and thoroughly as possible, you know, right where you are right now. Their, their situation was not going to change anytime soon, so they were, were, they were to make the best of it. And he would be there to help them. I think that this challenge goes out to some of us right here, right now. You see? Pardon my Brooklynese, but stop moaning. 
If only I didn't have to live here, in, you know, in Myrtle Beach. And, you know, if, if only I, was, I wasn't forced to drop out of school, I could have became something. If only uh, I worked for a different company, for a different boss, you know. Uh, if only I didn't come from such a messed up family that screwed me up. You know, if only I were married, if only I were single again. (laughs) You know, Jeremiah would tell you or say to you, stop looking for an escape. You can find life right where you are because I'm right where you are. Under the conditions, you know, you can find life right in, you know, under the conditions and the circumstances, you know, you are, you've been given. Exile forces a decision. See? Will you focus your attention on what's wrong with life and feel sorry for yourself Or will you focus your energies on how you can best live in the place you find yourself right now? You see, far more important than the conditions and the the circumstances of the place that you're in is finding God in that place. Because he's there for you. Seek me and you will find me. I'll show up and I'll care for you. Trust me. And because it is just as possible to live out his will right where you are. It's just as possible to live out his will where you are right now than any other place. The exiles responded. They woke up and responded. You see? They were jarred out of their normalcy by exile, they were ripped out of their homeland. You see, and they, they, they began, they embarked on a search. You see, they settled down to find out what it meant to be God's people in a place that they didn't want to be. See? And surprisingly, this became, when you look at Israel's history, this became uh, one of the most spiritually creative, rich periods of time in their, in their life as a nation. They, they didn't lose their identity. They discovered it. Their scribes, they transcribed copies of the books of Moses and, and prophets. They actually wrote them down now. You see, they, wrote, they, um, they built synagogues. And worshipped. 
Uh, they wrote psalms, you know, that taught them to pray in a deeper way than ever before. They lost everything that they thought was important and found what was important. They found God. Who would have dreamed that at the time of Joni's accident, right, God was working out his gracious purpose in her life? Her story turns out to be one of, you know, not one of bitterness and despair, but one of, of, of uh, love and victory. Her, her accident was the beginning of a journey to wholeness as a disabled person. God used her exile to drive her deeper into her faith and closer to him. And, and she emerged with new skills and a fresh determination to live well and to help others that were in similar situations as herself. She launched a career as a successful painter. She painted with her feet. Uh, she became a sought-after conference speaker and an author of, of several books. You know, she founded a ministry to, disabled, you know, to the disabled community around the world. And on top of that, she's been happily married to her husband, Ken, you know, for almost 30 years now. You see, we're all given moments, days, weeks, months, and years of exile. That's life. The question is, what will you do with them? Long to be in another place? Wallow in misery and complain? Escape in some fantasies? Drug or drink yourself into a stupor? Or build and plant and work for the good, for the good of that place? the place that you are in and the people you are with now. You see, exile reveals what really matters. And it actually frees you to pursue what really matters. Which is simply this. To seek the Lord with all your hearts and energy wherever you are. Are you in exile right now? 
Are you in a place you don't want to be but can't do anything about it? If Jeremiah is right, you're not alone. God is right there with you. And instead of complaining and looking for a quick escape, you might want to ask God to help you find him in your place of exile so that in spite of it all, he can show you how you can live well now. Turning that horrible job of yours into an opportunity to discover the joy of selfless service or using your less-than-perfect marriage to teach you the deeper, more fulfilling life of sacrificial agape love or using your illness or handicap as a doorway through which to experience a greater measure of grace flowing in you and through you to others that are in need. Or transforming the pain of past abuse that you've been living with, turning that into empathy and mercy and healing for other hurting people that, that have suffered terrible pasts. If you're in exile right now, you know, welcome to the real world, first of all. That's all I have to tell you. You're not a terrible person. And you might not have done, you're not being punished. It's just, you know, life is a mystery to me. But the older I get, the more mysterious life becomes and more mysterious God becomes. And I'm glad. I'm glad because if I could figure it out, God would be only this big. He'd be as big as what's between my ears. And that's horrible. But he's vast and big and mysterious. Okay, so I just want to tell you that, you know, stop beating yourself up. Life is like that. And if you're looking for answers, nice, clean answers, I'm afraid they're not going to come. Okay? But, nevertheless, if you're in a hard spot, a place you don't want to be, on the conditions you don't like, with people you might not even like. I'd like you to stand. Again, I'm not trying to make anybody feel uncomfortable, but I'd like you to stand because I believe that even this morning that you can begin to have a new perspective with God's help. The biggest perspective, the biggest change is that you're not alone. God is there, is here right now with you. So stand to your feet. And I believe that there's grace here. I think this word from Jeremiah is a word of grace. It's not a rebuke for you. It's of hope. Hope. We don't know how this exile is going to turn out, but it could lead you 
to a deeper, deeper, even, again, as impossible as this might sound, as incredible and stupid as it might sound, it could lead you to something greater. And the Holy Spirit is here to bring God's grace, his touch, his love, his personal presence in your life while you're in exile. His personal presence, that's the Holy Spirit. And we're going to just ask him to come even now and give you the big hug that you need to hold you right now. As frightened and uncertain or angry or whatever you're going through, he can just hold you so that you leave right this morning knowing you're not alone. So I'd like you to just close your eyes. Forget that there's another person in this room. You might even want to put your hands out like a, like a helpless little child. I know that's a little humbling. Lord Jesus, you know what it, it, it's like better than any other creature in the universe, what, it mean, what it's like to be human and alone and in exile because you suffered on the cross. You the ultimate exile. So you know, you know what they're going through. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will, in this moment, pour out your personal presence, your Holy Spirit, bringing grace and hope and strength and endurance to these that are standing in need. Let them know they're not alone right now. Come, Holy Spirit. Come. Give them that touch. Whisper that word that you're with them. And give them a new perspective on their exile, a new way of looking at it, so that they can discover a new way of living. Come, Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and you can learn more about us by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you need prayer, you can call us or email care at seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel called to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or text any amount to 84321 and follow the prompts.